Welcome to the Salty Club podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Creeper. The Salty Club is where we bring surf, yoga, nutrition, empowerment, and community under the same roof. We've found that when a person invites these five facets into their life, they become a force to be reckoned with. Join me for interviews and solo casts on all these topics and more. The idea is to share the inspiring stories of adventurers, experts, and game changers. People who have wandered from the conventional path and are doing life on their terms. Thanks for being here and let's do this. I'm here today with Max Powers. Max's mission is to help you achieve your goals by bridging the gaps between what you know and what you need to know in order to reach the person you envision to become. Max has been on the move participating in a variety of sports since an early age. At the age of 16, Max decided to focus on football. Determined to become a pro, he went on to play three years for the University of Montreal. Unfortunately, a knee injury prevented Max from achieving his goal of playing football at the professional level. In 2010, during a year off from school, Max went on a trip to Brazil and discovered Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This martial art completely changed Max's, Max's perspective on physical training and redefined his understanding of fitness. As a result, mobility and functional movement have become the pillars of his fitness philosophy. Firstly, I just want to say, Max, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so happy to finally be interviewing you and just let's do this. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So what is the connection between movement and mindset? Uh, I, I believe there's many. Uh, first, because, because movement has to be preceded by a thought. So it has to be computed by the mind before being executed uh, mm. in movement. And then there's also a link because personally, that's my experience. When I move, I feel my mindset optimized. I think everybody has, everybody, I hope everybody had the chance to experience endorphins or what some people call the runner's high when, when people go out for a jog. And I mean, I think that's a direct link where when you activate the body, hopefully properly and in the right way, uh, there's a release of hormones somewhere. There's a, a, a biological optimization that happens. And that's the first obvious link. Um, and then it, it could also go the other way around, I believe, in a sense that if your mindset is strong, then it's easier to move. So I think it's like a circle where one influences the other. Mm. And that could be just a simple link uh, between the two, those two concepts or those two words. Mm, definitely. So one of your philosophies is that movement is medicine. What do you mean by that? I think it's very important to define what movement is, or at least what movement is to me. And I think there's two things that people uh, confuse. A lot of people, when you talk about movement, they think about training. And I think there's two different things. A, mo a movement practice and a training is different. Uh, I think because everybody has a body, nobody has or nobody has the choice or nobody should have the choice to have a movement practice but i don't think everybody needs to train you understand in a sense wow. that everybody has to move you know unless you're you're disabled you have to walk around to do whatever you need to, to do in life so you have to use your body and whether it is to pick up your groceries or bend down to, to pick up your keys or, you know, uh, I don't know, like mow the lawn or, or uh, 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 when you clean your house and you have to swipe the, sweep the floor, it's all movement, you know? And mm. a lot of people are like, oh, I, I, I need to train. I need, not really. What people need to do is to come out of immobility from time to time, you know, because uh, the way society is and the way... Um, we're able to like only stay in the mind and only do like mental work, whether it be on the computer or whatever that may be. It's sometimes we're so focused in the mind that we forget to move the body. So somebody that I think somebody could, could reach health by being uh, mobile and moving regularly throughout the day without necessarily having a crazy training workout, you know? We have to organize our environment. So movement is easy. Movement is sustainable. And ideally as well, movement is varied. You know, if you only do the same movement all the time, 
obviously you'll work a certain group of muscles that will be maybe will become too strong for the opposing group of muscle. Just if you take my bicep or my tricep, if I only do bicep curls to, uh, to a certain extent, I'll have a harder time to push. I'll just be becoming balanced in the sense that my bicep will be too strong compared to my tricep. So that's why we need a varied movement practice. So hopefully whatever muscle that's being stimulated is uh, like a balance, you know, because we're not doing the, own, the same movement all the time or we're varied our movement approach. We tend to balance the body. And I think that's, that's what movement is about is to balance the skeleton that we live in or that supports our body. You know, uh, yeah. there's been different, not, not discoveries or studies, but there's been a, a, a new way to think about the body. We used to think that the, the bones was keeping the body up, but now we're with the, the new buzzword of fascia and muscles it's the organization of the muscle tension and the fascia tension that holds the bones up, just like a, a, a suspended bridge. You know, there's like a bunch of like pillars that are not mm -hmm. necessarily touching to each other, but there's rods, uh, there's uh, like ropes that create tension to keep the bridge up. Mm -hmm. I think that's how, I, that's a new way that people are starting to talk about the body in a sense, instead, instead of having just a bone supporting the body and then muscle is moving it. It's, it's more a, a tension issue. And that's that I think a lot of people that have back pain or shoulder pain or any pain is because some muscle, some fascia is pulling maybe the joint out of place. If we take like the regular like crowd, rounded posture, people mm -hmm. tend to have shoulder pain because the bicep, it, not the bicep, sorry, the pectoral muscle is, is pulling the shoulder out of place. Right. Mm. So if people are able to balance by doing some pulling work, so then the muscles in the back realigns the joint in the right place. A lot of times that joint pain could disappear or it could be, you know, lessened. Right. Yeah. Right. So that really makes a distinction that honestly I haven't even heard before, even though it is a simple distinction, like everyone needs to move, but not everyone needs to train. Exactly. So you say the no pain, no gain mindset is not necessarily what you need to achieve your movement goals. So can you explain a bit what you mean by this? Well, if, if, we're, if, we, uh, if we think about no pain, no gain, if we say no, it's because we, we, we're like negating it, right? So we disrespect the pain. And mm. I think that's very dangerous. I think pain, it's, I'm borrowing words from another trainer that I follow. Pain is a teacher. If there is pain, it's because it's as if your body's like knocking on doors, like, oh, yo, there's a problem, you know, mm -hmm. address it. <laughs> Don't ignore it. And even if it's like, you know, some people, they're, they're, they're like, oh, I have joint pain and then I have muscle pain. Both are pain. I mm -hmm. think joint pain is a little bit worse than pure muscle pain because when you do a good training, you'll, you'll have some soreness. You'll have some muscle pain. But to disrespect the pain is not a good way to go because you're, you're going to create problems. Even if it's not respecting the soreness and adjusting your training or periodizing your training. So the soreness, the soreness has time to subside. So maybe you hit different muscle on the second day. Mm -hmm. uh, then you'll optimize your training, both like we're talking about mindset and movement. If you're too sore, you know, because you're, you're overtraining, you won't, you won't want to train the next day. But if your programming is optimized and you, let's say you hit upper body one day and then you're super sore in the upper body, but then the next day you do lower body, even if you're not hitting your upper body muscle, because you're creating some sort of blood flow and the circulative system is activated, whatever acid lactic that's in the upper body gets a chance to flow. And, and I would say that the soreness will be optimized for maybe the third day or the fourth day where you go hit the muscle again. But if you're like a big douchebag that's doing bench press every single day, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to uh, cultivate a wrong posture because you're just pushing, you're never pulling. Mm -hmm. And then you create muscle pain that will eventually create joint pain because like I said, with the tension of the fascia and the muscle, you're pulling your joints out of, out of the way. Mm -hmm. So again, pain, pain is a teacher. And I think that's why Maria, our friend, t t tells, tells you that I'm different is because I want to transcend the physical realm in a sense that pain in your emotion is also the teacher. 
That's like if you go to work and you feel sad every single day, if there's, there's, there's something to be listened to. There's something to be done, whether it's to optimize your work environment or maybe it's not easy. Maybe you need to change job, you know, because I believe that there's only one thing that we have to do in life and it's to try our best to be happy. And if we force ourselves to go to work because mom, society, dad, our friends, our, our, our surrounding is like, you need to be a lawyer, but you hate words, you hate writing, you hate talking in front of the judge. Even if you, you, you forced yourself through school and you got your diploma, you're not happy. You might have a, a lot of money, but you're not happy. And again, there's this simple saying that if you're not happy and you make loads of money, you'll end up spending that money on yourself for saving physical ailments or um, uh, like any disease or maybe even just a psychologist because you're so sad that you have to go see a psychologist, maybe even worse, a psychiatrist that's going to give you some drug because you just can't get out of that depression because you didn't respect the pain teacher. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that no pain, no game is a Hollywood thing. Mm. No pain, no game is like stupidness. Yeah. Do you think it comes from a bit of impatience as well? Like we just want these results that we see. So everything around that, for example, okay, you do the training, but then all the like the rest and the regeneration and the breathing and all that stuff that you can't necessarily see or show the results of, you don't get that kind of validation feedback. Do you think that that plays into it too? Like the guys who just deadlift and deadlift and deadlift, is that just because they want those instant, the look of having worked out without all the stuff around it that is healthy for them? Mm-hmm. I have a, another thing that I want to talk about to, to, to come back to this is sometimes like people are, 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 are so hectic inside, whether it be from their emotion, from their mental stress, from lack of movement or too much movement, that to feel something, they need to go super hard. You understand? Like they need to do 25,000 deadlifts to feel as if they're doing something because inside it's such chaos that you need to match the chaos from an outside activity to be able to be like, okay, I've done something, you know? Wow. But I think if someone's at peace with themselves, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not better than anyone, but I know that the way I am, I'm able to get a good workout with an empty barbell. I'm able to activate my muscles with no weight, right? Because wow. I move slow, because I'm able to contract the muscle, because maybe I stay in, in the most challenging spot of the deadlift, whether it be on the ground or around the knees or whatever, and I stay there and I cultivate you know, a good positioning and I flex my abs and stuff like that. I could get a workout with no weights, even without the barbell. It's possible. It's easier for me because that's my job. It's my passion. I know the, I, I mean, I have a good idea of the body and I know how to put my body in certain angles. So my muscle get activated. So it's a little easier for me, but the idea of doing deadlifts over deadlift or working hard to get results, to feel the pain, to feel the soreness is not true. And again, we have to make that difference between movement and training. Like if you want to move to be healthy, it's something. If you want to train for a specific goal, it's something else. And I think people think that to be healthy, they need to look a certain way. To be healthy, they need to lift a certain amount of weight. To be healthy, they need to do a certain amount of reps, which is not true. And it's also that whatever is healthy it's different for many, for different people. Like I'm someone that's naturally um, a low body fat, right? So my training is not the same that somebody, for somebody that's naturally has more body fat. They have to do different stuff than I do, or they have to focus on different things than I do. So what I'm trying to say is that whatever healthy is, or a healthy training regimen, healthy movement regimen is uh, particular to each. It's not like a cookie cutter thing. And, and especially with women too, wouldn't you say that um, just hormonally and in bodily and everything, women are different and a lot of women require like a little bit of bodily fat, but they do have this picture in their head that they need to have the six pack, the abs, the everything to be healthy, but maybe their body functions optimally with a bit of body fat. A hundred percent. What you're saying is, I think, a, a, a topic that's super important. And because I guess your audience is mostly women because your, your product is catered to them. Um, yes, like the, the insta, insta babe that you girls tend to see sometimes that are super ripped or something. Mm-hmm. First of all, I think it's actually changing, right? First of all, most of these girls 
like when they do their video, they do it early in the morning, you know, when they haven't eat for eight hours and maybe they, they don't even drink water. So they're dehydrated. So they look thinner mm-hmm. and then they do a crazy workout and then they take a picture right after, you know, mm-hmm. and then they go eat and then they get bloated or whatever. And they don't look like the post, like the picture they posted, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that more and more, uh, I'm obviously not a girl, but I see that I see those posts now where women are like giving them a picture of two pictures one like the instabate picture and then the real picture with maybe a little cellulite or a little more fat that they would show on the instabate pic and mm-hmm. i think that that's gonna help women understand that their instababe their favorite instababe that feels like a god to them is a normal human like them mm-hmm. you know and i want to come back to that what you said uh it's it's not healthy for a woman to be under 14 uh, uh, percent body fat. Most of women that go lower than fourteen percent body fat, they lose their uh, menstrual menstrual cycle, and that's not how women are made. Mm-hmm. And to come back to the menstrual cycle, like you said, it, the the programming should be different. And I recently, maybe a couple months ago, I heard about a podcast of, of a woman that specialized in women health. And like, if we take hard training, someone that's straight, not someone that's moving or doing a movement practice if it's that time of the week or that time of the month sorry it's not the best time to do crazy box jump or explosive training or super heavy training or super intense training i have this uh analogy that i i tell to a lot of people if someone uh sprains their ankle okay and then they want to put weight on it or do a single leg squat it's a lot harder like it's a lot harder to recruit muscle and feel strong on a sprained muscle right Because when you sprain your ankle, you create inflammation, Mm. right? So if women have, are bloated because of their periods, they have inflammation in the stomach, Mm. around the stomach, the abdominal wall. And then how do you expect somebody that has inflammation, just like a sprained ankle, to Mm -hmm. properly uh, activate their core? So that's why there's like women and men are different. It's, it's, it's that we're equal, but we're different. You, I, we don't have that. So our programming should be different. If a girl has a competent trainer, he should ask that question. When mm-hmm. is your period? And you mm-hmm. should program your training accordingly. You know, there's mm-hmm. probably other factors, but that's a big one that most everybody, for, most everybody forgets. Yeah, well, that's it, because I did another interview with with a menstrual coach and she said the exact same thing. She said men run on a 24 hour hormonal cycle so they can do like they can commit to that training mostly throughout the month, whereas women, they are on that month cycle. So throughout the month, the intensity with which they can work out dramatically changes. And then it's like we get upset that we can't show up for that um, really brutal workout we could do last week in the same way. But it's, it's your cycle. You're not meant to be going at the same intensity month mm-hmm. round. And also just to come back on the no pain, no gain, uh, no pain, no gain uh, topic or, or, or saying. When we say gains, we don't make gains in the gym. We don't even make gains in the kitchen. We make gains in our sleep. We make gains when we're not training. Because you tear the muscle when you're in the gym. So you're obviously not making gains. You're ripping the muscle apart. And then you go in the kitchen and you feed the muscle. But then the muscle gets reconstructed. The muscle gets gains when you sleep or when you recover, you know? Mm. So that moment of stillness or the sleep is very important. And it's funny, but for you women, it's imposed. So you have three weeks of hard training and then one week of rest. And that's Mm. the best results I get all the time. Like if you're an average trainer, you need to periodize what we call deload. If you tell somebody to do crazy deadlift, like we were talking about every single day for 30 days, they won't die, but they, <laughs> they, they, won't, they won't get gains. They'll get overtrained. They'll get super tired. Their nervous system will shut down. Uh, their body will have a, a lot of trouble recovering properly and they'll, the gains will go away. So no pain, no game is, is again, stupidness because we need to rest. There needs to be a moment where there's just no pain for gains to happen. Mm. So I think, I, I, I like that you picked out this question because it's really something that I want the world to understand. We, we're talking about menstrual cycle. Life is about cycles, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. I got an idea, I want to train. And then I train and then I adjust my training and then I need to rest. 
this. It's it's not. I didn't decide this. Even the even the seasons go the same way. Mm. You know, the spring it's like you wake up. Oh, and then the summer you do your hard training, and then in in, in the winter you not in the winter in the fall you start to slow down. In the winter, like if we talk about nature, okay. like winter is resting. The mm-hmm. nature is resting. Sorry. Yeah. So it's not. I mean, it's not. It's not like a choice. It's just how life is. Yeah. It's not my decision. It's not yours. Whoever's listening, it's just how life is. Mm. Yeah, that's a really great way to put it, and I've never heard it put that way. So thank you so much for that. That's going to be so helpful, <laughs> so helpful for our community. So this this leads on into the next question. You've pretty much answered it, but I do want to see if there's anything else. What do you think the fitness industry gets wrong about fitness and health? Well, like I took, uh, like I, before the interview, I, I was talking a little bit, and I, I, with some of my mentors, we I asked that question, and he, my mentor was saying that the idea that a cookie cutter workout works, that's one of the main things. And I think that's what the fitness industry has wrong is that I have the best workout, I have the six minute ab workout that's gonna work with everybody. No, it's not true. The 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 the, the the idea that one size fits all is that's I think that's one of the worst thing about the the the, the fitness industry, and another on the other end I think also is sometimes people specialize too much. You know I I I call myself like a holistic trainer because mm-hmm. holistic and I want to take a talk about everything just like the the five powers that I that's my like my my tagline or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we need to work on all different aspects we some people like a lot of times you have a like a let's say a weightlifting coach he's the best weightlifting coach in the whole world but he doesn't know how to make a human move he knows that how to get a weightlifter stronger but he doesn't know how to get a human to move properly and a lot of times a weightlifter coach doesn't know how to tell you what to eat doesn't know how much tell you how to sleep and other stuff and breathe and recover and stuff like that. Most of the time they're so specialized. They're so focused on this is the way to lift the heaviest weight. And they focus only on that. When a lot of times if they adjust their clients or their, their trainee diet, human movement, not, not weightlifting movement, human movements, like they balance their body, they fix the asymmetries and then they tell them to sleep. They tell them to use other recovery tactics. And when I say recovery tactics, even within the workout, like what do you do when you finish your 10 reps of deadlift? Do you go jump and walk and go on your phone and, and, you know, no, you should zen out. If you want to have a really potent workout, you maybe you do some Qigong or you just sit down and you breathe or you you stretch the proper muscle and, and it goes as deep as that. And then even breathing, a lot of coaches don't even know where to breathe know mm. where to put the air in your stomach in your lung in your back or whatever and that's what i, I just talked about my mentor and the, the 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 that i that is at the physio clinic that i work and that's where i'm i i love my job in that way because i'm learning all these intricate stuff of of by uh, anatomy and how your lungs and how the diaphragm has a big impact in how to brace the core but mm. the diaphragm is known as the breathing muscle but a lot of people don't know how to breathe. A lot of people, they breathe to the mouth all the time. Mm-hmm. We need, a nose is meant, for breathe, is meant for breathing. A mouth is meant for maybe eating or talking. But mm. even on the street, even people that are not training, I, I, I tend to see that people walking with their mouth open. That's, a, mm-hmm. that's an issue. It's a health issue. Like the, the body, the human body is not supposed to work like that. Of course, mm-hmm. if you're like sprinting for your life, it's okay. To <laughs> but day-to-day life or when you sleep, you shouldn't breathe through your mouth. Is that a stress response or is that like a from shallow breathing? Why do people start breathing out of their mouths instead of their noses? There could be many different reasons. There could be a stress response in the sense that people are so stressed, so like uh, mentally involved that like mm-hmm. they just open the mouth and they start to breathe because it's a stress response. Whatever they're thinking about is stressful. Mm-hmm. But also just the posture. If somebody is like in a bad posture throughout the day, mm-hmm. that diaphragm muscle that I talked about gets sore or, or or is not stretchy enough right like a lot of us on our computers right exactly because it's the double effect of protracting the head to see what you're reading right mm-hmm. and then having the shoulders in front because you need to type 
And then eventually the head is so heavy that the back rounds and then all the muscles in the back are being stretched, but they're not strong enough to bring you back to posture. And they're also pushing down on your lungs. So then you're, so that because you're like this, after a certain time, your body is like, I'm not breathing optimally. I need to breathe more. And I start to breathe to my, to my mouth. But if you're in an optimal position, maybe more upright, you don't have that feeling like you're missing air. So maybe you stay to nasal breathing. And then I could go on forever on that. But if people, if people are eating too much sugar, you, you breathe through your mouth. If people really? are eating, yes, because when, when, you, when you eat sugar, you acidify the body. And to try to alkalinize the body, the body wants more oxygen. Mm. So then uh, there's another thing I want to say. Breathing. I forgot about that. We'll come back to it. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember, just yeah, yeah, bring it yeah. back up. I feel it's on the tip of my tongue, though. Breathing. Sugar. Yeah, yeah, sugar. <laughs> if, if people are eating, uh, let's say spinach, but let's say I'm intolerant, not allergic, intolerant to spinach, but every other day I'm eating a spinach salad. I'm acidifying the body again. And then like greens is associated to like healthy food. Mm. But then... It's not a cookie cutter program for diets as well. Like the diet, that paleo diet, keto diet, this and that. What do you need? Not what's the trendiest diet. What do you need is the real thing. Mm. So to come back to the, 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 the fitness industry issue, I think it's the same with the nutrition, but I also think it's the same with the medical field. And I don't want to be like the anti-medical guy but it, it's not i don't believe it's because you have that disease that this treatment is automatically automatically what you need you know let's say i have high blood pressure and you have a, a high blood pressure maybe i need a different medication than you mm. and it's so weird i don't understand how the work how it works like that but the doctors from what i understand about the medical field is like okay this person has a high blood pressure i have four choice of uh, a medicine and it's picked that one and then we just choose like that and then try for four weeks if it doesn't work come back and yeah. i try another one mm-hmm. which is completely stupid mm-hmm. instead of like what's the profile of that person you know is high blood pressure maybe because of mental issues like of stress you know maybe that person is just too stressed and maybe that person doesn't need no medication she needs yoga yeah you know or she needs a hot bath something stupid huh. as that yeah, or something emotional or something like based yeah. on past trauma or it can just go so far back like emotionally or anything like that. And it's true. It's like all that you are offered is medication and there isn't that consideration towards like the lifestyle factors or, or like you said, the profile of that person. Yeah. Mm. And it, it, sorry to make it that way, but it, 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 brings, me, it brings it back to me in a sense that we have the, medic, the, the medical doctor and you have the trainer. But you also have, if we're talking about cars, you have the, the, the mechanic engineer, but then you have the mechanic. Mm. You understand? But then if somebody has an issue with their car, do they go talk to the medical engineer or do they go to the, me- the, 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 the mechanic? Mm. But for health, we go to the medical engineer. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm trying to say? In the sense yeah, that you're not, you're, not, you're not going to see the person that's going to be like, your wheels are falling off. You need some push-up. You need a good diet. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. And instead, we go see the guy that's just a pharmaceutical rep. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, the system is like that. And yeah. it's like the, 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 the medical doctor is like, which drug do you need? Mm. And it's like, I, I almost want to get angry. But <laughs> the, the word doctor, we all know because most of us has an experience with school. And we know that the highest level of school is a doctorate. Yes. And when you're a doctorate, the, the academy says that you could teach because you're smart enough, you could teach. Mm. A doctor is a teacher. But most doctors that we see never teach us about health. Mm. They teach us about the, 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 like the consequence of our medication, the side effects. Right. That's the only thing they teach us. You have this medication, you might have suicidal tendencies. Mm-hmm. How is that even viable? Like we see those ads on TV. Oh, this is going to help your this or that. Side effects, suicidal tendencies. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. To me, it's just common sense. And that's why a few seconds I was like, I almost wanted to get angry because uh-huh. 
I think I have a brain. I think I'm using it right. And this makes no sense. Yeah. It makes me think of like, this isn't necessarily medicine for something in the body, but um, there's a medicine called Roaccutane for acne. I don't know if you've heard of it, but side effects of that is depression and suicidality. And I think a really high number of people who take that, uh, that medication for acne do experience like suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation. And it's like, like you said, how is that viable that that is the first thing that doctors go to and for young women as well sometimes even teenagers i have a, a sad story that i want to share especially because the audience is mostly female mm. i have a the girl that twists my hair is like a, is like an aunt to me she's like a very close friend because she's been doing my hair since i was five years old mm. six maybe but i think it's her cousin or a niece was on a, a menstrual cycle drug or um not menstrual cycle, but uh, you know, when you don't have babies, uh, contra contraceptive. Contraceptive, yeah. And I almost want to name drop. I'm not sure it was that, but I think it's Alessa. Or I don't know if you ever heard of that Alessa? one. I think so. I think Alessa. I think I might have even been on a version of that at some and point. Yeah. To come back to that, that nephew or that niece of the woman that does my hair, she was on that. She was telling people she was not feeling well. And she, she killed herself. Because and then and they, they, they're able to relate it that she was okay. She took mm -hmm. the drug for maybe six months. And then at the third month, she was like, yo, I'm feeling weird. In the six months, mm -hmm. she, she, she killed herself. So mm -hmm. my message here is for women to take care of, of themselves and looking to the, the drugs they're, they're, they're taking. If you're mm -hmm. on a contraceptive drug, maybe you take a second and flip it over and see what the side effects are. And if even before you take the drug, you're somebody that's anxious, depressed, has depressive tendencies without necessarily, necessarily being clinically diagnosed with depression, mm. maybe you take another drug. Yeah. yeah maybe and you pay attention if, if you're not feeling like yourself or if you think something is wrong or people around you are saying this isn't like you. I mean, listen to that. And yeah. you, are, you have control of your own body and you have every right to get yourself off anything you feel like is making yeah. you feel not like yourself because it can get that scary. Mm -hmm. And that, that is so sad, that story that you shared. And it's so sad and it's not the only one, but even just amongst my friends as well, like so many women who have come off the pill and then just said that they didn't even recognize themselves when they were on it, but they didn't even realize because they were in it. Yeah. Cause it's, it's almost like you're too close and you bring something in, in, in my mind is that two things. First is that, Unfortunately, we cannot fully outsource our health. Even if you have the best doctor, even if you have the best trainer, you're still going to have to do your work yourself. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then um, I forgot the other thing I was going to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes no, I get so invested that I, like, <laughs> in, in the first thought that then the second thought takes the, <laughs> takes the side. Well, it's true. And I think, I think where we were kind of getting is maybe this reluctance to take the responsibility of our health for ourselves, because mm -hmm. like you said, it can be easy to want to outsource it to just be like, just doctor, give me a pill just so it can go away rather than being like, okay, I have to learn to sit differently. I have to learn to breathe differently. I have mm -hmm. to look at my lifestyle. I have to look at my job. I have to make some potentially really hard decisions about who I surround myself with. Yes. Maybe that's affecting like all of this is so much work compared to taking a pill, but yeah. ultimately but it's the, oh. <laughs> it's, it's the dynamics between the cause and the symptoms. It's like mm. there's, there's smoke, but there's a fire somewhere. And it's mm. not I'm, I'm blowing the smoke away. It's the smoke is still going to come if I don't put out the fire. And that's mm. the cause versus the, the, the symptom of like uh, the smoke. Right. right? So exactly. it, it, and people have to come to terms with that. And again, if we come back to mindset and movement, if we take movement as the gateway to health, we have to fix our mindset first. You know, we have mm -hmm. to understand that if there's smoke, there is fire. And then I need to find a solution to put out the fire, not just blow out the smoke. Mm -hmm. And that comes again to the thing I was saying just before, we cannot outsource our health. So there is basic things that people need to understand about my five categories of health. Mindset is people have to categorize who they are and what's their... Uh, coping mechanism, what's their, 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 how they think, you know, in a way, what's their personality. Mm -hmm. So then when things happen to you, because you know who you are, you could almost predict how you're going to react to this or that situation. Mm. Once your mindset is 
once you once you put your own mindset into your awareness, then maybe it's easier to force yourself or push yourself to eat properly in the mm. nutrition, which is the second category. And then when we talk about eating, people don't need to become food scientists, but everyone, especially, I don't want to point the fingers, but especially women that are going to maybe have kids, need to have a basic understanding of what's a protein, what's mm. a carb, and what's a fat, uh, fat, and what do they do in the body, and what's the relation with them. Again, people don't need to uh, become food scientists, but they should understand the basic of it. And if we have the time, I could just share that um, like a protein is building blocks and it's ju not just for muscles. Like people get that impression that if I eat too much protein, I'll become like a big mm -hmm. jock. But amino acid, which is the deconstructed protein, are essential for bones, skin, neurons, brain function, you know, and a bunch of stuff. So we need a good amino acid profile to function. And I have no issues with veganism, but sometimes people jump into it too fast in the sense that they follow the trend, but then their amino acid profile or their protein profile is not optimized because it's true that you could find all the proteins in plant, but you need to combine them. You okay. cannot find fully protein with just one veggie. There's no one vegetable that has a complete amino profile in it. You need to combine it with something right. else. One of the most popular dishes in South America, the Caribbean is rice and peas because the rice protein and the pea protein formulate a complete protein. Right. You know? So people mm -hmm. need to be aware of that. The first thing is protein. Women do not be scared of protein. You're not going to grow <laughs> big muscles because you eat protein. You know? And then mm -hmm. after that, um, fats. Fats are, are, are very essential and people are, are scared. And my personal illumination of fitness and health is when I realized that we've been duped. We've been fooled. You know, when I was a kid in the, in the 80s, early 80s, I would see all these ads of like snack wells, low fat, low fat this, low fat that, low fat. But people need to understand if it's low fat, it's high sugar. Mm. Or else it's going to taste like cardboard. Cardboard. If it right. doesn't have a, a, a fat uh, a tasting fat molecule, it's loaded with sugar. Right. Now it's kind of evident. Everybody knows that we have to be careful of sugar. It's addicted like cocaine. It, that, that's a buzzword. Mm. So fats are essential because we're talking about depression and stuff like that just before. But if we don't have a good fat profile, we're not able to transport hormones in the body properly. So if we're lacking fat, uh, serotonin, dopamine, um, adrenaline, all the hormones that are secreted by the body in different glands are not optimized. So some people are somewhat depressed because they don't eat enough fat because the proper hormones are not being able to travel through the body. You know? okay. And then another thing that's super cool about fat and I also uh, I think helps the keto craze to, 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 to be so popular is that if we talk about calories, which is not that important to me, but still a, a useful data point, is that one protein is four calories per gram. Okay. One carbs is four calories per gram. But fats is nine calorie, calories per gram. Okay. So we need to eat a lot less fat, amount of fat, to have the same amount of energy. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why sometimes when people are like, oh, I eat keto, eat a bunch of fat. Yes, you eat more fat, but in you eat less quantity of food. Because, because... you're satiated quicker. Exactly. And right. unfortunately, the only thing that really sends satiating um, signals to the body are proteins and fats and also mm -hmm. fiber. Right. So there's a place for carbs, ideally fibrous carbs. But these are the three things that tells the body, okay, I have enough food. And that's okay. the issue with the snack wells and stuff like that I was talking before. These stuff mm. are loaded with sugar with no fiber. Mm. So then you eat, but you're still hungry. And then you yeah. eat, and you're still hungry. And then the snack idea is that there's, there's a bunch of people that are uh, using their whole mind capacity to make a snack the most snackful as possible. Mm. In a sense that there's, there's something that they call the bliss point in the food industry. Yes, when, I've heard of that. So that there's a point that a chip is 
just salty enough, just sweet enough, just fat enough that the body treats it like cocaine. It's like, mm-hmm. I eat it, I eat it, I eat it. It's just it, it, your taste buds are, are, are jacked up, you know? And you're like, it's so good. And it's just a bliss point. So there's a bunch of scientists that's working to hit that bliss point where it's not too salty, but just enough, mm-hmm. not too sugary, but just enough, not too fatty, just enough. And isn't it like at that level right before it becomes repulsive? It's like how much sugar, how much fat, how much can we put into this before it becomes like repulsive, right? It's like that's how much goes into it just before it tips over to that point. Yeah, because that's when we have a irrational uh, attraction towards it, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's that bliss point. We don't think, you know, we're watching the movie. Mm -hmm. We tell ourselves we're going to eat four chips, but we we eat the whole bag. Mm-hmm, and it's not, exactly. it's not your fault as a human being, well-intentioned human being. It's not your fault. I don't want to say evil, but there's ill-intentioned Ill people that are just out for money that mm-hmm. designed food. Food is not supposed to be designed. Food is natural. Yeah, it's true. You know? it's and true. even, even the, 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 the crackling noise of a chip is designed so it, it cracks enough that it soothes your ear that you want to eat another one. Mm. like they they take, they spend a lot of money to design these foods which is mm. very bad and i haven't talked about carbs but carb is just the easiest uh form of energy to be digested so it's when you eat carbs your food's like okay i could make energy fast with it mm-hmm. so that's why like everybody is attracted towards carbs because right. most of the time people don't have cravings people are tired yeah so then what do they do? They eat carbs to get a pick-me-up. Exactly. You know? I, I, I remember I had that battles when I was a little younger. I would watch TV late at night and I'd be like, oh, falling asleep. And then I would equate that to a hunger feeling. Mm. And I would go grab some snack. But that's what it is. That's not what it is. If your eyes are closing, go to bed. <laughs> right. You don't need to listen to that Netflix. You don't need to. <laughs> There's always tomorrow. Uh-huh. You know? But yeah. if you don't sleep a good amount of, 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 uh, 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 of hours... And that night, you're never going to get it back in your life. Never. Mm. It just kind of goes back to that whole, sorry to cut you off, it goes back to that whole holistic thing, right? Doesn't it? Because if you are so stressed out from work and then you get home and you're like, no, I need these two hours of Netflix to switch my brain off. I have to have it. So even though you're so tired and you know you need to sleep, it's like, no, but this is my only time to, to chill out. So it's like, then you force yourself to stay awake and then it's just this cycle that never seems to end. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I re- that's, I like it because you, you get it, you know, mm-hmm. and just to like, I feel like I, I hope I help people by telling them what's the, what's the purpose of carbs for the thing, but then mm-hmm. also with sleep, like we need to sleep quality sleep, obviously, but also enough. And maybe some people need eight, maybe some people need six. Uh, sorry, seven. It's very, very, very rare that people could get a good night of sleep with six hours. There is a few yeah. people, and but I would say like between one and four percent of the whole world population could survive or be optimized with six hours of sleep. Wow. But everybody's like, no, I need six. I'm cool like that. <laughs> it's true. Not true. It's not true. And then I'll, I'll tell you why. Because when you sleep, there's different stages. You know, the first yeah. stage it could be called. Uh, I'm not a scientist, but I know a lot of stuff because it's my passion, okay? So mm-hmm. maybe I'm not using the proper word. But the first stage is like a nap phase where, you know, when you're like not really asleep, but you're like in between woken state and almost sleeping. Mm-hmm. So that's the first stage. This, in that stage, there's some recovery that happens, but barely any, you know? Mm-hmm. But in the second stage, you start to recover the body first. So muscle illness, uh, aches and pains, but that, that sort of gets, you know, the, the lactic acid, whatever waste the body produces mm-hmm. in the first stage of sleep, that's where you push it up. Okay. Third stage is the mental stuff. So if people are like super stressed and super, uh, the brain is going to produce some sort of waste. Right? Right. So that's the third stage. And the, the last stage is emotional, psychological like stuff. So a lot of people are anxious because they can't sleep properly. If they have a good night of sleep for two, three weeks, maybe four mu- uh, maybe a full month, anxiety sort of subsides uh-huh. because the body is doing its job. Sleep is the first medicine, the first one. If you have good sleep, that's where your body optimizes itself. It's so important that a third of our life, we are asleep. Uh-huh. Let's say I'm 30. I'm over 30, but let's say I'm 30. <laughs> you imagine that I'm 30 years old. 
Mm. And I actually slept more than 10 years because when you're a baby, you sleep a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in 30 years of my life, 10 of those years, I'm in my bed. Imagine how important that is. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and we push it back. So many of us push sleep away and just see it as the bottom of the priority list when it should be the top because it just informs our entire life experience. Mm-hmm. And, it's, mm-hmm. and it's also where you consolidate. If we talk about the mind, that's where we consolidate everything. Whatever you learn during the day, it's when you sleep that the body's like, okay, this part, this part, this part, and it organizes in your mind. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that everybody that has, has had lack of sleep or had had a short night the next day, they're like, oh, shit, my memory, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm off a little bit. Why? Because you didn't, the, the waste that your brain produces wasn't cleared. So then it's foggy. There's traffic in the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 100%. Oh, this is so good. Um, before I kind of close up this subject, is there anything else you wanted to say about movement and mindset? Yeah, we sort of touched base on it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, mindset is the first part of my system of my guide to health. You know, and like I said before, you need people need to study who they are. They need to do their best to understand who they are so they could foresee the type of reaction that they're going to have. And then mm-hmm. we talked about nutrition, talked a little bit about movement. I'm not going to take too much time because that's, that's my jam. But and then we talked about sleep. But then I believe like my system is not a straight line. It's more of a circle. OK, in a sense that when we talk, the last part of my system is breath and community. And I think we need to change our mind towards our mindset towards what is breath and what is community and what's the link between the two. Like mm-hmm. we talked just before the interview, I believe to take a deep breath is the best way to connect to yourself. Mm. I and I, right? That's why it's breath and community. And once I have a good relationship with myself, when I have enough self-love, I could properly love somebody else, mm. you know? And mm. once I optimize the relationship that I have with someone, I understand that I cannot be who I am if my mom wasn't there, if my family wasn't there, if my village wasn't there, if mm. my country wasn't there, if the world community is not there. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's maybe the part of mindset that I, didn't talk too much about, but I think it's very important. Um, even if mindset, <coughs> sorry, even if mindset is the first part of my system, maybe people should focus hey, on their community. Sorry about that. No, no problem. Yeah. So then commu- community, like I was saying, is the most important and it's how we interact with the all, mm. you know, and mm. it's a part of that mindset thing because I'm not forcing people to, to follow my lead on that, but I think people should focus on the relationship they have with themselves and then with the ones close to them and in their place in the world or their relationship with the community. And um, that's the part of mindset that I think uh, if, if I should end on, on a point, it, it should be that, that people mm-hmm. should really take care of their relationship. It's very important. Thank you. That's really important. Thanks so much. That was so beautiful. And oh I, just, I just want to give a props to what you guys are doing because that's what it is. When mm. you assemble a group of strong ladies and make them live experiences, that's what it is. And for some ladies that might be consuming the podcast and they're not sure what to do, when it's possible, maybe just make the move and go, do on, go on a retreat and connect with people that have the same type of goals, you know, the same mm. vision of life. And then maybe mm-hmm. you'll find your place in the world. And then it's going to be easier to have a strong mindset, eat well, move well, sleep mm-hmm. properly, and so on. But I've heard it many times that people are like, like why should I take care of myself? Like, yeah. why? But mm-hmm. if you understand that somebody else needs you, mm-hmm. maybe that gives you, you know, the kick in the butt to do what you need to do. Well, exactly. I mean, I have a four-month-old baby and... That is why now I am taking better care of myself than I ever were before because I'm like, he needs me to be on top of my game. He needs me to be happy. He needs me to be healthy. He needs me to be okay. He needs me to be having a good relationship with his dad and like with his, so it's funny, it's true. Like your relationship to others is a a good reason to be wanting to take care of yourself, not just for yourself. So before I go, I will just ask you how 
can people reach you? Anyone who wants to work with you? Where can they find you? What should they do? Well, I'm on Instagram, max5powers. Uh, I also have a website, maxpowersfitness.com. So if they, uh, currently right now, they could just read a little bit about me and my philosophy, but eventually I'll have products to sell or uh, be able to do like some uh, video consultation stuff that's uh, coming, hopefully before uh, the new year. And uh, yeah, if they're in Montreal and they want to work with me uh, directly, it would be a, a good idea to call my uh, physiotherapy clinic, which is Centre Replay or Replay Center, if you may. And you don't necessarily need to be injured to come because we're about human optimization as well. So if ever you're like, I just want to be better at life, you could call and say, I want to train or have a consultation with Max or anyone else, anyone else in, the, in the clinic. And also, I want people to understand that it's an interdisciplinary clinic. I love the body, but I'm not a physiotherapist. So when I start to train someone or start to help someone, I have a physio that looks up or diagnose or assess the client. So there's, we're all working together. And I think that's what's special or maybe even different than other places is that maybe I'm your primary caretaker, but then I have, you have a bunch of eyes, you know, validating what I'm doing, but also supporting what I'm doing with their ideas. So it's not really plays the place to go, especially if you're an athlete, because we have a, a like athlete, uh, like section if you want we have options for athletes but also regular people if you just want to be better at life haul at us the salty club is your online optimized wellness platform for adventurous women for 9.99 a month you have access to surf inspired workouts yoga classes guided meditations recipes workshops and interviews just like this one and everyone gets a seven day free trial Visit thesalty.club. That's the salty, S-A-L-T-Y, dot club, C-L-U-B.